Thursday, September 21st, and this is the 1909, the State News' weekly news podcast featuring state news reporters talking about the news. I'm your host, Alex Walters. This week, I'm joined by State News' Kayla Nelson for a real scoop, a twist, a scandal at MSU's dairy store. And after that, we've got a deep dive for you. Attempts to tell the story of the national championship winning MSU football team widely credited with integrating American college football have gone awry. It's a story of a book published in violation of the university press's academic integrity policies, a slapped-together Hollywood movie script rife with complete fabrication and racist tropes, and a conspiratorial criminal movie producer at the center of it all. With that, let's start the show. All right, our first guest is here. Kayla, do you want to introduce yourself? Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Kayla Nelson. I'm the business reporter here at the State News on the regional desk. So you wrote a great story this week about MSU's dairy store. You know, before get into the details do you want to tell for those unacquainted what is the dairy store what does it mean for campus that kind of thing you know yeah so the msu dairy store um, is a ice cream shop here on campus um, and they are in partnership with the msu dairy plant which also functions um, on campus through Mm -hmm. our food um, and um, agriculture um, programs and you talk to some people who are, you know, longtime customers of the dairy store, new customers who love it like they've been going there their whole lives. Can you talk about sort of what it means to people on the campus? Yeah, so it's definitely um, a focal point of campus that um, brings a lot of people together from what I heard. Um, people have been coming for years. Um, there was a, a couple I talked to that have been coming for around 50 years at this point. Um, and so they've seen the dairy store change. Um, but then it's also um, a great a great resource for new students to come and get acquainted just with um, the feel of campus. Mm-hmm. But you also learned something that I guess sort of maybe spoils that allure a little bit. Do you want to talk about sort of your big discovery? Yeah, so uh, people tend to assume that the milk for the ice cream comes straight from our uh, dairy farm just down the road. Um, but I talked with um, the uh, dairy plant operations and productions manager, Matthew Wilcox, um, and there's definitely been some changes happening within um, the dairy plant, especially since the COVID-19 pandemic um, caused some shutdowns. And um, so it's that's not necessarily the case. So it is not all you know from those cows you see as you're driving into campus? It is not. Uh, he told me I can't just uh, drive my truck down and hook up to the cows down there. So what happens is, um, so the MSU dairy farm is part of a um, milk cooperative up in Ovid, uh, Michigan. And so um, that, that milk from those cows um, gets shipped up to Ovid and pooled um, with uh, milk from cows all over um, the Midwest, and then that can be used to make other dairy products like milk and cheese and um, dry products as well. So the one difference between what's happening now and what's been happening before COVID was um, now uh, the, the dairy store lost its manufacturing license um, during the shutdown just because things weren't being updated. Um, and so they can no longer um, make ice cream with fresh cream from that um, from that plant. So they use a pre-pasteurized mix. Really? But even so, it, it was from the MSU cows directly before the pandemic, or it was never? It was 100%? never. Really? From directly the MSU cows. Yeah, it's a twist. It's yes. a scoop. 
Yes. There's a lot of overlap with like story kind of lingo and ice cream lingo, which is probably nice for you writing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that change? You know, you talked to some people who are customers. You talked to them about this. Did it change sort of their perception of their ice cream? All of the um, the people I talked to still were very um, enthusiastic about the ice cream. They said it still tastes different. There's something about the texture, something about the creaminess. Really? It's just different from other ice cream shops around. That's nice to hear. It must be something special about MSU. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Well, unless there's something you think we're missing, thanks for coming on, Kayla. It was great to talk to you about this story. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. For this next segment, we're talking about one of my stories, so my guest is me. We're flying solo. Earlier this week, we reported that MSU's academic press has returned the rights of a biography of iconic head football coach Duffy Doherty to its author's estate. That means MSU won't be selling the book anymore. For context, Doherty coached here in the 60s and is largely remembered for his trailblazing recruitment of black players and the national championships he won with the integrated team he built doing so. The football building is named after him. There's a statue of him currently building built, being built on campus. He's a beloved figure. So why ditch the biography? Well, it's sort of a long story. So for the rest of this week's 1909, we're going to dig into it. It, of course, involves the book, which seems to have been published in violation of the university press's academic integrity policies. But it's also a lot more than that, because it all got a lot messier when a conspiratorial criminal movie producer began work on a film adaptation of the book that's full of complete fabrication and racist tropes. But let's start at the very beginning with David Clairbout. He's a lot of things. He's a Methodist pastor. He's a commercial realtor, a basketball coach, a professor at a small university. But he's also an author. Uh, And he's also not alive, which means he was unavailable for comment on everything you're about to hear. But in 2018, while he was alive, he wrote a book. It's called Duffy Doherty, A Man Ahead of His Time. And it reads like a biography. It chronologically tells the story of his life and work. uh, But it's missing one big thing, citations. The sources Clairbout used, like newspaper articles, photographs, interviews, university documents, they aren't mentioned in the text or in an index. Uh, And that's a really strange thing, according to Johnny Smith, who's an associate professor of history at Georgia Tech and the author of a couple popular sports biographies. He also did his master's research on Duffy Doherty and how his integrated team can be credited with improving, you know, not just football at MSU, but also racial integration across the state of Michigan. Smith says that lack of citations makes the veracity of Clairbout's book a mystery, because there's no trail that could lead readers back to how Clairbout is supporting his statements. Nevertheless, the book was published, and not just by any mass-market publisher. It was published by MSU's Academic Press, which usually focuses on you know, scholarly research by academics. The press requires citations and reviews books in a process called peer review, but Clairbout's book didn't go through any of that. We asked the press why they published the book earlier this year, and all the leadership declined to do interviews. But through an MSU spokesperson, we did get an answer. He said the book is, and I'm quoting him directly here, a non-academic work intended for a general audience. So it didn't have citations or go through the fact-checking process that other books published by the press would. For Smith, the historian, that's not a good explanation. To quote him, he says, quote, if you're writing history, you should always document your sources, no matter the audience. That explanation was also, quote, profoundly offensive to Maya Washington, She's the daughter of Gene Washington, a Hall of Fame wide receiver who's written about at length on the book, and a photo of him appears on the cover. She's also a historian who wrote her book and produced a PBS documentary about her father's team. She said, quote, I'm shocked and appalled that an institution of higher learning doesn't have a higher standard. The assumption that a general audience is not entitled to the same integrity and reliability of information is unacceptable to me. I believe it's a dangerous stance. 
And Washington's problems with the book go further than just the lack of academic integrity. She criticizes Claire Bout for a clumsy handling of race and opinionated commentary throughout the book. But here's where the story gets more complicated, because everything gets a lot messier when this moves from East Lansing to Hollywood. Now, this is when I have to introduce you to James Villaseries. He was a big-time investment firm founder, a college football player, and he's Claire Bout's stepson. And a few years ago, Villaseries decides to venture into Hollywood filmmaking and adapt his stepdad's book into a movie. And the pitch seems like a straightforward winner, an inspiring story about the national championship-winning team that integrated college football. Ben Corey Jones from HBO's Insecure was selected to direct. Neil McDonough from Yellowstone was cast as Duffy Doherty. And TikTok megastar Bryce Hall was set to make his big-screen debut in the movie. Julian Horton, a former NFL player with a supporting role in the film, told his hometown talk show that he thought the film was so great, so meant to be, that it was, quote, ordained by God. But based on our reporting, the real story of the film is far from holy. The movie was made without consultation or even permission from the players whose stories it tells. So a group of dozens of players on the team have lawyered up. Last fall, as the film was being shot, they sent Villa Series a cease and desist letter. Uh, and through that legal back and forth, they were given a chance to review the script being used. And what they read deeply offended them. They saw depictions of themselves frequently partying and being promiscuous. They saw dramatic soap opera subplots about completely fabricated white teammates. And a completely historically undocumented scene where Duffy Doherty talks to civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. about the state of his football team. Bob Ipsita, the first Samoan ever uh, selected as an All-American, said he was, quote, profoundly dismayed by the portrayal of him as nothing more than an ethnic stereotype. Specifically, he takes issue with a scene in the film where he leads the team in a haka dance, which he says never happened and is a slight to his culture. Jimmy Ray, who after MSU spent 38 years coaching in the NFL, called the script a, quote, attack on my reputation by portraying me as a subservient person lacking in independent thought and character. The family of Bubba Smith, an MSU and NFL star who later stepped into Hollywood acting, said the film is a defamatory and false portrayal of their late relative. And the state news has also obtained a copy of the script from a source within the production. And in short, what the players say is in there is in there. And, but despite their efforts to stop it, the film got made. And now its path to release has been slowed. It's currently at a standstill. So it's done shooting, but it lacks a distributor to get it in front of an audience. So the movie's made, but someone needs to work to allow you to see it in a theater or on a streaming service. And that, too, has been complicated by a lawsuit from members of the cast and crew who say they were never paid for any of their work on the film. This is also a good time to tell you that Villa Series was not able to comment at all on this story because he's in a federal prison for financial schemes completely unrelated to the movie. Uh, so that brings us back to where we started. Since we began reporting on this story back in May, MSU's done a full review of the contents of the book, and they've now given up the rights completely. But they won't tell us what the finding of the review was. Washington, the historian and the daughter of the player that we talked about, she wishes the university would do more to, one, understand how the book was ever published in the first place. So instead of reviewing the content of the book, she wants them to look back at their actions that allowed it to get published. And two, she wants them to work to combat this film that has come because of the decision to publish the book. And with the film looming, she says that her father and his teammates are left full of dread. I'll leave you with her words. She says, quote, Unknowing people who will see this film, they'll think, oh, this is true, because why would someone completely make up another person's life story? And why would it not be true if it's based on something that a university published? That's all for this week. We'll be back next Thursday with more. Until then, the stories we discussed and plenty more are available at statenews.com. Thank you to our incredible podcast director, Anthony Brinson, our guest, Kayla, and you for listening. For the 1909, I'm Alex Walters.